Welcome back. This is the Who Move My Freedom podcast on YouTube slash Who Move My Freedom. This is America's premier, premier podcast. Bigger than Joe Rogan. I was just telling these guys. Bigger than Joe <laughs> Rogan. The only podcast in America, the number one podcast in America talking about the Second Amendment uh, with, with a guy who uh, has a mohawk and lives in Florida and does a podcast out of a van. <laughs> if you put me up against any other numbers, it's not really going to be exactly that, but welcome to the show here. Um, we've got our guests here joining us. Before we get into all of that, though, I want to remind everyone to go to hankstrange.com, sign up for our email list there. That's a good way for us to all keep in touch with, with each other. Uh, Lola puts out a... Um, like a, a, an email from time to time sharing deals and different things going on, as well as if you look around the site, you will see links to all the different places that we're on. That's under the Strangeaholics tab. Lola's got Lola's deals on there that she shares a lot of great deals. Um, we've got merchandise on there, all that kind of stuff. So check out HankStrange.com. I appreciate that. A uh, big shout out to U.S. Law Shield. Check that out. I think, well, at least... Uh, some of us today are in Florida, and uh, we just partnered up with U.S. Law Shield, so you can check the description of this video or the podcast if you're listening to it. And uh, they sent me this Florida gun law, armed and educated, very thick book with laws of Florida in here. If anyone needs, if anyone needs this, uh, you're going to have to see me in person. If I see you in person and you need one, you got one. I don't think I'm going to actually mail it out to anyone because it's kind of heavy. Yeah. Yeah. We got we got to save our postage money and uh, buy uh, buy bullets instead. <laughs> All right. That being said, let me uh, let me smash the open here. Let me load up my guests actually into into the uh, into the monitor here, and we'll get going here on the show right now. Welcome back to the Hank Stream. All right, guys. Situation. Welcome back to the show. Lifestyle Make sure you smash the subscribe button. Hit those thumbs ups. Ring the bell so you can be notified every time we go live. We are live right now. Um, so there's this thing that we do here, guys. Uh, so, so the guys from Blood Free Armory are brand new to this. It's called Jazz Hands. Everyone has to do it. There you go. Daniel's doing it. Let me see. Okay, they come on. Let's see those tough guys do it. Oh, there you go. Jazz Hands. We are, <laughs> we are live. I hope you guys have your big girl panties on because this is episode 747 of the Who Moved My Freedom podcast. As I said, our guests... Um, we've got Chris and Amari from Live Free Armory joining us, as well as Gun Doctor TV. We've got Daniel joining us here on the show. So there's Daniel. Boom. There he goes. What's up, Daniel? How's it going? Good. It is going great. Good to see you back here, man. Um, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. I don't know if we've done this this year yet, have we? I can't. I don't no. Know. No, no, we have sure. Okay, happy new year to you then. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and here they go. Here's uh, Chris and Amari. We'll have to probably get them like a little bit better situated, or at least we'll get Chris situated when, we're, when we split screen here. Uh, welcome to the show, guys. This is the first time. Thanks for joining us. How are you guys? Yeah. Welcome. Doing well, thank Great you. Great day. Looking forward to it. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so for the folks out there who don't know anything about Live Free Armory, can you uh, give us the rundown? I'm going to start with you guys are in Florida. Yes, sir. We're in West Melbourne, Florida. Originally, we uh, started at my house. Um, we're that American story of 
you had an idea, you started in a garage, next thing you know, you have 60,000 square foot. Wow. Um, and that's us. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yes. Um, so we, we're going to get to know uh, these guys as well as we'll figure out what's going on with uh, Gun Doctor TV here as we go on in the show. A big shout out to Barnoles. Um, I forgot to mention Barnoles is sponsoring the whole podcast. We appreciate them. I've been cherishing this box of nine millimeter subsonic from Barnoles right there. Check that out. So they've got, let me see if we can get that on the camera. Boom. There it goes. Um, they also have 300, 300 blackout uh, as well available for all the folks out there looking for 300 blackout, which I knew there's a whole bunch of them. So Next to uh, find right now, too. Huh? Next to impossible to find right now, too. Yeah. It's goodness he has it available. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think they've got some shipments or something that's coming in. I was just reposting it on Twitter. Who's who? Any of you guys on Twitter here? No. Who's on Twitter? Anyone have a Twitter? No. Okay, Daniel's got a Twitter. Live free, live free armor. You guys are not on the Twitter box. We're a little archaic. No, no, no yeah. Twitter for us. I think no? Instagram, Facebook, and our own webpage. Yeah. As far as YouTube channel. Okay. Okay. Listen here. Can we? I don't know if it's possible to adjust the camera. Can we adjust you guys' camera a little bit so we can get like at least one of you in the box for the folks out there that are uh, that are checking this out? I don't know. How do, how do you get in the box? Yeah, uh, yeah, go in it. Okay, go the opposite direction a little bit more, a little bit more. Uh, look at that. Right, no, too, you went too far. <laughs> okay, there you go. That's good. Right there. Don't move it anymore. Good. <laughs> See, there you go. I mean, Amari is a man of many, many talents. Many talents, yes, yes, sir. Now he's a director of photography just, just by moving that camera. <laughs> yes, I am the camera monkey. I, I carry yeah. all... Uh, Needs equipment and move everything around for him. So yeah, not far off. Yeah. So okay. So you guys, you started. You're saying you started in the garage. How long ago was that? In 2014, I got a visit from ATF, who told me that I needed to go legit because apparently I was doing things that maybe I required a license for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And and. It, Taking the hint, mm -hmm. uh, we went ahead and uh, obtained a, a FFL in 07 and just started uh, doing what I had, I had been doing, but I guess properly, and wanted to grow it and scale it, and honestly, I, I needed assistance in that, and I ended up getting a business partner who has multiple degrees, but one of them is in aerospace engineering, and he comes from a bloodline of manufacturers and engineers from the Northeast, um, Ruger and SIG. And we decided after working a couple of years together that we should start our own place. And we did. Okay. He swore he get into manufacturing. He had never owned a machine. Mm -hmm. And uh, with time, I was able to break him down and now we have uh, a lot of machines. Okay, cool. Is that Amari that's your partner or? I, my business partner isn't okay. in the building now. He's a, uh, um, he's a younger fellow, uh, very fluent with mm -hmm. programming and operating every machine, doing really anything. He's, he's just brilliant, but it's what he was born and raised to do. Okay, okay. Yeah, I suckered into the company 
uh, I was recently retired from being a cop after 30 years, was just mm -hmm. looking to chill. And then uh, one of my former sergeants from my platoon, uh, I was a retired lieutenant, he said, hey, let's go meet some guys. They make guns. And I was like, oh, I like guns. Mm -hmm. So first, my first meeting with, with uh, Colby and Chris, they were on a floor with with a 308 torn apart, BCG in pieces and going over an issue or problem. And then uh, my introduction was, what do you know anything about this stuff? I said, what's the problem? Just happened to know the answer. It was one of those fluke days where everything fell into place. Mm -hmm. And that started a conversation and I ended up being a uh, part-time armor builder for them. So wow, okay, cool. Now I'm number two in the company. I've been actually employee number three. Wow, so, okay. Company and I, I fell in love with the company, fell in love with the idea, fell in love with what we do. So, I mean, I'm all in. I am, I am live free armory in a sense. Awesome. You know, you know what's funny? So um, I know you guys, you guys uh, were talking, we were just talking about Twitter. Uh, who was it? Hold on, let me go back here. Someone here, I don't know, uh, Valkyrie417 says, Live Free Armory is on Twitter. It's LF Armory. So at LF Armory, which I think I can, uh, let me see if I can run this in. Boom, there you go. LF Armory, there it is on Twitter. I'm following it, right, you guys right now. So here. there you go. Because we just hired. Uh, an internet sales guy mm -hmm. and asked us if we had a Twitter account and I said no so he he got us on board with that I just remember yeah. that yeah yeah I think it's 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 uh, important to be up on Twitter right Daniel yeah absolutely yeah you utilize the tools available yeah you know I mean look before they kicked uh, before they kicked Trump off of Twitter he was just about to hit a uh, hundred million followers wow yeah um, I is there any truth to Trump coming out with his own social media platform? Um, I think he's looking at it. I've, he I've heard that he's definitely looking at it, but he has to find uh, something that he could buy into or, or uh, partner up with. Because building that, I mean, you know, building social media from the ground up is not easy. So, no. and, and he doesn't like to lose, so. <laughs> Large investment. He would have... Mm -hmm. uh, the kind of followers that enjoy freedom of speech, that enjoy not being censored, mm -hmm. that enjoy the opportunity of entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. would all on his website um, with a sense of freedom, which is what it's all about. Yeah, Instead I I totally agree with that. I mean, I think it would be great for Trump to do um a, a social media platform. I do agree with it because I think one he could kick that social media platform into high numbers now is he going to go partner with the with the guys from parlor or something like that i'm not sure um what's really going on there huh maybe the my pillow guy and he making a, a network as well um if the my pillow guy is going for it then the two of them may partner up i'm not sure if the my if um my what is it mike lindell i don't know if he's doing um his own social media platform that would be cool also, someone needs to do a social media platform that um, that's more free than the nonsense that's out there now. And I know there's several of them. The big thing I always tell people, if they don't build a modern social media platform and then something built off of like a, a, the, where the backbone is blockchain or something, you know, and what I mean by that is the servers 
need to be off of Google servers or Amazon servers or any of those other big companies out there that are social justice warriors, um, you know, because that's how you're going to get shut down. That's what happened with Parler. Yeah. Well, out of curiosity, mm -hmm. we're before we went live, we we're discussing, hey, you know, we're we're being censored, so no mm -hmm. showing of guns, no anything like that. Mm -hmm. Do they go as far as if you become critical of them, if you badmouth the YouTube itself, do they censor that? With you know, if you question why are they playing God on this, mm -hmm. that would they do they take that to heart as well? Does YouTube? Uh, you want to you want to take that question, Daniel, before well, I answer it? In my experience, no. Uh, I haven't. I, I've. I have personally made videos that are directly commenting on how terrible the censorship is on YouTube and mm -hmm. I've never, you know, suffered no. any consequences. But, you know, who knows? Yeah, I would, um, you know, so, uh, yes, I think Daniel just gave a good answer to that. So far as making, I know for me, I've also done the same thing. I've made videos complaining about YouTube deleting my channel or um, other things that go on with YouTube and I can't prove in any way that they've censored um, or that I've paid a price directly for that but I can say that I'm definitely shadow banned on YouTube so for example this channel is extremely shadow banned um, people are always telling us that they don't get notified when we go when we go live even though they subscribed and rang the bell and did all the different things um, and then the same thing with my main YouTube channel and uh, when they actually came up with that rule that you couldn't handle firearms while you were alive, uh, they, and, and I'm, not, I'm definitely not in the category of being like the big YouTubers out there that are, uh, you know, million plus subscribers or anything like that. They spoke to a couple of those guys and they spoke to me because they this is what they said that, you know, they realized that I was going live a lot and they told me we're going to be specifically watching you. And um, I think we've seen the evidence of that, that they are specifically watching us. And also at the same time, we're shadow banned. <laughs> Did so. they at least subscribe so it would raise your numbers a little bit? No. <laughs> yeah, they don't. They're big brother in terms of in terms of the platform. They don't. A little bit. Make it worth my time. But they know what we're doing. They know what we're doing. If someone handles, we've had it happen a couple of times, man. They, they cut us off real fast. That's, so. That's yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. You know, um, I think it's a overall it's a overall policy that they have of social justice that's going on with these platforms. So um, what was it? I think uh, Project Veritas just came out today with I don't know if you, are you guys familiar with Project Veritas. Yes. Yeah. So they just came out today um, with more undercover video from from some CNN producer or something like that. Um, talking about this particular subject, I don't know how CNN still gets busted by Project Veritas, but this guy admitted that CNN engaged in propaganda to make Trump lose, you know, and that they did things to make Biden look better. So this is this is what we're all facing here, that there's companies that are trying to decide the fate of America. So for for guys like us that we're talking about freedom, Second Amendment, guns what have you, 
we're kind of like the enemy, right? If we're if you're conservative, if you're right leaning, whatever it, whatever boxes they want to put you in. Yes. Yeah. So I would say in that way, in general, we're all suffering from that but it's kind of tough to see specific things i don't think they go after someone if you specifically say youtube but if you shoot guns or you know you talk about certain things you definitely you, your message gets pushed down for sure yeah just we just had a video canceled we had a very popular video it reached a high as soon as it reached a hundred thousand views it got taken off mm -hmm. and uh, Heath Leeson, our again our creative director he spent a lot of time animating uh, a video on building an AR-10, a 308 mm -hmm. platform, because you know when you see somebody uh, filming it, it's not the same thing as an animation where you can focus on the parts and where it goes. So it was a very nice video. I mean, it wasn't anything other than how to build, mm -hmm. and they took it off. They yeah. said it violated the policy, and boom, gone. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, a lot of us see that. I know they have specific policies against um, you showing how to build guns. Yes. Um, and suppressors and things like that. So if you take apart a gun, build a gun, if you talk about that kind of stuff, they definitely have policies against it. So I'm assuming as a manufacturer, you guys aren't monetized, right? No. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I know I've spoken to some manufacturers that have said their videos have been just straight up deleted. Um, <laughs> you know, and I th I'm trying to think we've had a couple, we've had maybe three videos at the most that were completely deleted. Did you get any videos just completely deleted, Daniel? Yeah. You did? Yeah, was it a lot? I started off, uh, doing disassemblies and mm -hmm. repairs, hence, you know, gun doctor. Mm-hmm. Because that was the name of my gunsmith shop, and uh, mm -hmm. that's how I started on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So it turned into the the cluster mess it is right now. So so, so they just if, go ahead, go ahead, Chris. You're the gun doctor, mm -hmm. and focus on helping law-abiding citizens do repairs or fix or or you know how to service their own weapons, and they take that away from you. As the gun doctor, what remains? your subject matter what is left for you to talk about good question besides this handsome mug uh <laughs> reviewing guns we're laughing because you're so handsome i mean you're you know you're like a young brad pitt and so, exactly yeah so you're review guns still yeah yeah okay at least they let you do that for now you can't like directly promote selling guns you can't say hey go here buy this gun you know there's specific rules against that but it's uh it's becoming a gray area more and more every day so it's what can we do next week who knows yeah so if you guys want to know um from uh you know from from my perspective with this um and i think i think daniel you know just chime in if if i'm wrong or it's different for you um this is affecting everyone in different ways so if you've got your bigger guys that I talked about earlier, right? It was really big guys, a million, couple of million, or even half a million. I consider that really big. Those guys, everyone's suffering from the top all the way down. But I think that a lot of times those guys have it a little bit easier because they already built, they have built in a bigger audience. So yes. when they put up videos 
their videos don't do as well for sure like I, i'm looking at guys that have multi-million numbers in terms of subscribers and they'll put up a video and it'll be tough for that video to get over fifty thousand views exactly yeah right which is and, a fraction you know, of their reach huh it's not just the gun channels it's all mm -hmm. across the board yeah you know I, I watch a variety of content on youtube and mm -hmm. uh it's it's literally everywhere. It's not just attack on the Second Amendment. It's attack on the First Amendment. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. It's it's not just the internet. It's I, when it comes to tech, the internet, the different social media platforms. I know nothing. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to business and manufacturing, well, maybe a, a bit more. Mm -hmm. yeah. One of the things that I wanted to do a few months ago, I didn't need to. But once in a while, you do want to finance something. You do want to keep your credit active. You want to get away from the banks as much as you can. Uh, so I said, you know what? I'm going to go out and lease a new forklift. And they ran my credit and they said, Mr. Riedemann, because I already know my credit is about as close to perfect as a man can get. And they said, you are approved immediately. Any forklift you want, Mr. Riedemann. And I said, okay, I suspected as much. And I picked one out. And then they said, we're sorry, we didn't realize what you do for a living. <laughs> no longer. And, and, and I told the guy, he was very apologetic, the sales representative. Hey, we're sorry that it very much upset him. At least he acted like that. And, and I believe him. Um, he's a Second Amendment kind of guy. But I said, uh, this happens all the time. Insurance so so they, they straight up just dropped like you they dropped the credit or the insurance company didn't want to do it? What happened? Oh no, it happens across the board. Don't okay. don't think this is an isolated event. Mm -hmm. Right now, if I wanted to go lease a CNC, for example, or finance a CNC machine, which thank God we're we're getting you know more and more away from, but pretend that you wanted to. Um nine out of ten banks won't talk to me. Mm -hmm. And it has Thing to do with the fact that it's not money related, it's not credit related, it's that they've taken a hard line in not dealing with these what they would refer to as a sin industry. Mm -hmm. um, what I do is uh, comparable in their eyes to criminal activity. Uh, yeah, they no more they no more respect what I do than a drug dealer, and they won't. No, you, you better be in a financial position where if you want to buy a large number of CNCs or vehicles or anything else, you better, you're just better off to stroke a check because these banks don't want to talk to you. Insurance companies will not insure you. You'll, you'll get all of a sudden somebody will realize workman's comp insurance just drops you for no reason. Um, it's anything could happen. You never know what inspector is going to walk through the door. Mm -hmm. looking for a reason to cause problems. So you have to stay in this industry super clean. Yeah, I think that's Operation Choke Point that you're, um, that you're speaking about, um, yeah. which, was, which was intended to go after terrorists, drug dealers, etc. But then they lumped in the firearms industry and they claim that they've uh, stopped that, but that's obviously been going that's for a long time. I... I can count on one hand, and I don't want to get into it, but 
I promise on paper, I'm physically ugly as sin. On paper, extremely attractive. Mm-hmm. So, but that's, <laughs> that's the way to be. If you're gonna, if you got to choose, <laughs> if you have to choose one of those, I'll take being attractive on paper any day. <laughs> and, and, and tell me no. And and I have stories, but it would sound bad. Um, they just don't like me, and they, and they and they love me all the way up until the point to where they go. What do you manufacture? I try to dance around it sometimes and just say, whatever I'm contracted to make. And they go, well, what, what industry are you in? Oh, we're in the firearms industry. Well, at that mm-hmm. point, um, the line pretty much goes dead or they find a reason to walk away or they tell you to get out. All depends on how you're communicating with them mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm very accustomed to all of it. It has been going on. It has not stopped going on. Yeah. I mean, and that's a heinous form of discrimination. You know, we talk a lot about discrimination um, in America these days, right? I guess around the world, everyone, everyone talks about it. It's a, a human condition. But this is discrimination against not mattering uh, what your skin color is. It's against you making something for an industry that in America is protected by the Second Amendment. Yeah. That's what that's what the discrimination is. The social media, the news networks, they're all making it out to be I'm operating almost in a loophole of it should be illegal, it's just not. And this being a free country, they're going to elect to not talk to me and not deal with me. Mm-hmm. And that is it, it sounds crazy because there's absolutely nothing illegal about what we do, um, and yet we're still we're still punished. Yeah, I think it's happened. I've seen, I've heard a lot of stories. First of all, um, PayPal banned me for life for being a gun guy. PayPal wow. seized our account and made us sign a form that said if you wanted us to release your money. This was very early on. Mm-hmm. They made me sign a form that said. Uh, I would never use their services for this kind of thing again. And then they released the money. And I hear I was very lucky because they released it within like two weeks. Oh, wow. And I, and I hear they take much longer. Yeah, that's lucky. They never, they uh, banned me about uh, more than two years ago. They won't give me the money back. And it had nothing to do, I didn't buy or sell a gun using PayPal at all. Basically, there's a, a company that sponsors the show and they make Kydex holsters, and they paid me through PayPal, and that was it. That's all it took. That's it. They don't make guns. They don't sell guns. <laughs> you know, but they but they make holsters. So they're by association. Yes, and uh, there was another story. There's another, and this happens to be like a holster manufacturer. There's a guy that I do a lot of stuff with, uh, um, you know, Andrew's Custom Leather, and he makes leather holsters. And um, his bank that he was dealing with, I think he said for like 30 years or something like that, they froze his bank account because they realized that he's making leather holsters. And they were like, we don't know if this leather that he's getting is legal or not. And they froze his account. Legal leather. 
Yes. So, wow. you know, like, so I, I guess their thing that they were saying is that there's maybe hides coming in from animals that are illegal. Here's the problem. He doesn't import hides. He doesn't go out there, catch anything. <laughs> you know, he doesn't make the hides. Another company does. And there's other branches of the government that would deal with that. So when he buys those hides from, from those companies, that's already handled. That's none of the bank's business. They were just being nosy. If he was in the business of making belts, boots, or purses, this would have never came up. No. But he made holsters, and mm -hmm. it's too close to home in the firearms industry, and they decided to distance themselves from him. Yeah. And it, right now, it would be very difficult for us to go down the same road we've gone down because mm -hmm. if you're not in a position where you are a cash business, mm -hmm. you become dependent on the banks, well, they could stop a company from growing because you know, everybody starting a business needs capital unless, you know, your dad's rich or something. Mm -hmm. And just think of all those companies that would have been that maybe had a good idea, to, but it's not going to ever happen now. Mm -hmm. Banks don't want people like me. Yeah. So Ken from K&M Arms is uh, watching the show. Shout out to Ken. We had him on last week. If you guys haven't seen that, you can check it out um, here on the channel. Ken says, Bank with Chase, they are gun-friendly. That's interesting. Um, I didn't know that about Chase Bank. Uh, can, you guys, can you guys confirm or deny that? <laughs> Do you have any experience? Uh, we're actually thinking about switching to Chase. I'm not going to mention... You don't want me to mention the bank we do business with now. Would that be wrong? <laughs> I would say let's just not... <laughs> Okay. Yeah, you don't have. Yeah, you listen. We don't want to do anything to make your life worse. Okay, so don't do it. Listen to this. So they joined another bank and they were consolidating banks and they left a bank empty on a, on a decent corner that had good traffic. And I thought, you know what? Why not buy the bank and turn it into a pro shop? Mm -hmm. So I went to the bank and I said, listen, I see how much you want for it. I'll put fifty percent down in cash. But and you carry the other fifty percent, and I'll pay it off in sixty or ninety days, and I'll mm -hmm. just buy that building, and we'll be good to go, and we'll turn it into. And they look me in the eye, knowing that this is not a big expenditure. They said, "Absolutely not. We won't loan you any money." And I thought, "Are you kidding me?" I mean, you're what you're saying doesn't make sense. Financially, I'm a sure thing. And they said, no, we'd rather not. Mm. And that's the day we started conversation that we were thinking about switching to Chase. And, and we put man hours into that. We went in there, looked at it, looked at the walk-in vault, thought this is make a good storage container for serialized components, being able to lock things up, thinking about turning the, the, the drive-through into, well, we'll clear that out and try to see if we can get the right air systems in and turn it into maybe a little shooting range. Mm -hmm. You know, just a little 10 yard. Yeah. It all makes sense. What you're saying makes perfect sense to me. I don't, I don't, so, I don't see an issue with it. You know, well, this is the weirdest thing mm -hmm. I've ever heard in my life. And they just, it, and it goes on and on. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you there, I'm sure somebody in the industry is going to, go, yes, what Chris is saying is right. We, too, have seen this because I can't be the only guy on planet Earth that mm -hmm. is being shunned. Yeah, I've, I've heard I've heard stories. Um, 
let me let me get this uh the gun snob says what about companies that actually have both government contracts and sell to civilians are they still able to get financing easily being as they supply the government any anyone has i wouldn't know because i don't know how that kind of stuff works behind the scenes so i i i don't do business on government contracts right now all we do is when somebody comes and says make this for me and let us swear that we made it and chris you deny it 100 percent. i go okay as long as you know <laughs> check clears. and then we make our own stuff um mm -hmm. that that's really all we do yeah, so you guys are an OEM for other companies out there, which obviously you uh, you can't discuss that, right, publicly. Not if I don't want to violate the NDAs I have with them. Right, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we, we wouldn't want that. <laughs> Some of them might be watching right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind yeah. of funny. You look on YouTube or somebody shows it to you, and they're doing comparisons of different products, and they go, this one's better than the others. Mm -hmm. but you make both of them mm -hmm. you know what i mean and right. they but swear they come from two different companies mm -hmm. it does yeah i promise you that you've seen our work <laughs> oh i'm uh yeah i'm sure we have i'm sure we have yeah yeah um i would say there's not a lot of companies i'm not saying it's like maybe i'm not saying it's anywhere close to like just being three companies that make everything but um you know, there's more companies that put their name on stuff that they don't make than companies oh, that actually make stuff. Absolutely. Sure. There's yeah. There's a there's a couple decent sized manufacturers here in Florida. And I like to think we're we're one of them, but there's another big one over on the coast that everybody knows about down in Naples. Mm -hmm. And it seems like in the products we make, um, between the two of us, um, we take up a lion's share of stuff I know about. Okay. Yeah. And you know what? I don't, um, I don't have a problem with that. I think it's totally, I think it's a fine practice, you know, um, for people to put their brand names on things, as long as they're not trying to pretend that, uh, they're the ones actually making those things. No comment. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, we can't have that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, look, there's a lot of guys. I there's just a lot of there's a lot of companies that might be in the business of selling things, but they're not necessarily in the business of manufacturing anything. You know. Um, uh, so I know you guys can't talk about that, but you know, um, I, I could definitely talk about it. I guess. As, oh, yeah. I don't know if it will touch. I don't know if it's going to touch off any nerves with you guys. But look, I like Spike's Tactical, right? I like Spike's Tactical stuff. They don't. They don't make anything. They assemble stuff. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and they're you know the, I've got zero zero beef with that, right? You know, um, the Brownells. Brownells is a big company. Brownells doesn't manufacture anything. Right. Absolutely correct. There yeah. are. A lot of guys out there, though, who love to think they're going to create a name brand and a name for themselves. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. Maybe it's, it makes them feel like they're better off to say that they made it themselves. It's made in-house. And I don't care. Um, mm -hmm. I don't care what you tell people. 
Mm -hmm. as long as um, you're doing well, you don't, you know, as long as I'm not getting lied to, as mm -hmm. long as I'm cheated, mm -hmm. um, that's, that's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Daniel, I, I sense you wanted to chime in here. Yeah. I mean, I, I know firsthand of, uh, Mm -hmm. some AR companies that are, you know, on the higher end and their, their parts are manufactured by a lower end manufacturer. And I, I know that knowledge firsthand. And, uh, yeah, like you said, it's, uh, it's all over the industry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. uh, that's just, that's been practice and not just the firearms industry. I think that's been practice in lots of industries. Absolutely. You know? So I think ultimately it comes down to, um, you know, what, what kind of like, where do how do you stand behind your product? You know, and if, and do you take the time, do you pay the extra to get this made properly in the first place? And then even the manufacturing sometimes is not where the biggest issues are. I think a lot of times the big issues are when you assemble those things, <laughs> Yeah. yeah especially if there's people but but you know you guys are the experts that's why we have you all here <laughs> uh, i i i love polymerating because mm -hmm. they're a driving force in the industry mm -hmm. um but they do bring up some unique challenges when um you know the guys are in the garage with their dewalt drills cranking them out mm -hmm. some and, and then the sometimes hey it's it's why is this ejecting a little to the left when it should be ejecting to the right? What's this? What's that? Mm -hmm. And there's, there's just a lot of a lot of things that can go wrong when you're, and especially, I, I do hate this. All the all the components that are being imported right now from China, especially in the Glock market. The, well, the AR market's no different, but we're just being flooded with it, and it kind of sickens me. Mm -hmm. Men parts. And parts, mm -hmm. they're yeah. everywhere. You get away from, and, <laughs> and especially, I know where to go and see them in the containers, marked. And it's no, they don't come from China. They come from Taiwan, right? So they're yeah. quick to say, no, these didn't come from China. Yeah, okay, they came from Taiwan. You can look at the shipping container with the import stickers and everything else on it, and you know where the parts are going because. You just do because I have access to their offices. And then you see them on those websites and it says made in America. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I know where yeah. they got shipped from. And I thought, this is crazy. Um, it's How do they, so riddle me this, how do they get away with that made in America claim? Is that just like a technicality? I, do they finish something? They don't finish Jack. I have no idea. They buy the parts and sell them. And it's, it's, it's everywhere. Once you as a, hey, I have a, a, little, a little store on the internet and I'm a guy at home and I want to make some extra money. So I source these components from Joe, Jim, Joe, whoever. Mm -hmm. Ship them to me and they said they were made in America. They're made in America. And they market it as such and they sell it as such. They have no idea that that stuff came directly from, I can't even remember, What's? do you remember the name of that Formosan arsenal that's straight out of Taiwan? Formosan, okay. Yeah, I think it's Formosan. Formosan arsenal that's flooding the market is one of them. Right now you can yeah, buy- Yeah, you just, you just said that to Amari, but you're like, do you remember the name of that uh, 
Formosan <laughs> Arsenal. What's the name of that Formosan? I'm just, I'm just teasing you. <laughs> you know, and then companies like that that are bringing mm-hmm. them in a hundred thousand at a time. Mm-hmm. And you can look at their slide, their their slide completion kit, mm-hmm. and look at it at fifty thousand other dealers in the U.S. And they're saying it's no man. This is American made. That extractor looks like it's made from chewed bubble gum. That mimic is garbage. Yet you're throwing it in a kit. And look at Gun Doctor shaking his head. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, he wants to jump in here. Go ahead. Go ahead, Daniel. Jump in. Uh, What's your take? I build AR-15s, you know, pretty much all day long for hours and hours a day. And uh, I see a lot of mem parts. If it's a black plastic coated spring or it's a gold buffer or it's a black painted buffer, you smell the Chineseium in it. And the yes. first thing you should do is throw it away. There's <laughs> a reason that you have three individual weights in that buffer, and they're supposed to impact each other in a certain way when it comes to a stop. Not one, not poured lead into it or poured, you know, any other kind of junk metal from China that they were looking to dispose of. And instead of paying to dispose of it in China, they sold it back to us in buffers, and we're yeah. dumb enough to buy it. And then people go, you know what, I want to build a quality gun, and I'm going to buy the cheapest parts I can from from somebody who has no idea where they came from, and I'm going to put it in my gun, and then I'm going to defend my family with it. Right. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't yeah. pass the level test. I can't say the manufacturer, but there was one night we were building the guns and test firing them, and uh, we had a bunch of flash hiders blowing in half oh and you look at the cross section it's just you could tell it's cheap hot metal oh absolutely yeah impurities in the metal that cause weakness and we uh we got conned one time early on with some crush washers and they were supposed to be american and then we started tightening those bad boys they're like yeah you just they just snap and it's like what kind of crush washer is this you should at least get one and a half rotations out of a crush washer. Yeah. These things were cracking in half at a one rotation. Yeah. rotation. Yeah. You couldn't get one rotation out of them. So, and I said, okay, now I know that guy's a liar, you know, because we don't make crush washers here, you know, and it, the industry's full of it. And today, people want that low priced AR or that low-priced Glock. And they don't want to pay for American-made parts that are guaranteed. This is from U.S. certified steel that can track. I get phone calls. And put the, and, and think about this for a second. We use, uh, when I say we use a lot of steel, a lot of steel is, is, I could have it quantified if I called somebody in here and said, how much steel do I buy? But it's, it's by the semi-loads. And I get calls every week that go, Chris, if you're, if you're willing to buy foreign metals, we can save you X amount per pound. Well, let's just say it's 50 cent a pound and say that you're buying 10,000 pounds a week. That adds up pretty quickly. In a month, you're knocking out 22 grand. You can go buy your kid a Honda Accord every month and pay for it in cash <laughs> just from the savings on the steel. We haven't, we haven't even talked about aluminum. Mm-hmm. I tell every one of them, go to hell. I do business with a company called EMJ, 
And every week they bring me my steel from Michigan with certifications that it comes from the U.S. And does it cost more? Yeah. Does the aluminum cost more? Yeah. But when you surface, when you run over that thing, you don't find any sand in it. You don't find any impurities in it. It's just good aluminum. And you know you're supporting U.S. workers. This yep. is all like steel and aluminum from U.S. mills. Mm-hmm. That's all I want. Yeah. Uh, let me get this comment in here from uh, Ken from K&M Arms. He says, that's why you have to buy crush washers from the guy that makes them. Same as the flash hider. I buy them from the guys that make them. Um, for the folks, for the folks out there that are listening to this, like, what can you, what kind of guidance can you give to people to make sure that they're not getting these things? Obviously, if you're getting something really cheap that's like half the price, that's an obvious cue, uh, clue to that. But what else can we do? Just do your research. Yeah. Okay. That's I'll, I'll tell you what. When a guy tells you he makes them. Shout shouts out to Google Earth. Um, <laughs> tell me where you make them, and I want to pull up. The first thing I'm going to do is pull up your address, and I'm going to see: is it a is it a is it a house, or is it a building? And if it's a building, is it zone light industrial or heavy industrial? And it only takes a minute to look. A child would be able to figure that out. If it, if you got a chunk of a strip mall, you're not zone light industrial. You're not zoned heavy industrial. All you're doing is middleman and stuff. Mm-hmm. It would be so easy. I used to I do business, and I well, I used to do business. And, and on occasion when I need things, I still do. There's a real good guy. I like him a lot. His name is Jesse Sosana, and he is from ADP, 80P. Just a good man. And uh, I, I went to go do business with him, and the first question he had is, I want to come to your to your facility. And I said, great. We'll just fly, because I was meeting with him in his home state. I said, we'll fly into Orlando tomorrow together. I'll have a vehicle pick us up and take us there, and then you can tour our facility, and then I'll have him carry you back. And he, the question was a trick. He's looking for me to say, no, we don't allow tours, no, and get him up with some BS answer. But when I was very inviting, well, he didn't even wait for the trip. He just said, here's an order. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He wanted to make sure he's dealing with, he wasn't being middleman because he's very smart. And then yeah. how he gets through all that nonsense. And I've taken that little bit of a lesson. And now when somebody says, hey, go to the guy who makes the crush washers. Hey, go to the guy that makes the muzzle devices. Well, give me his phone number. Let me call him. I'm 90% retired anymore. I'll plan a little trip. I'll fly out there. And anybody that makes things tend to be proud of what they make and what they've yes. been able to accomplish and how they've been able to grow. And, man, they, they like to show off. Hey, you mm-hmm. want to see my whole system? Look at how we have it laid out. Look at how we care about efficiency. Look at how we like to look at productivity. Yes, look at all the certs that come in. Look at how we track steel from the beginning to the end so it shows every human that's ever touched it what machine it was on, what tools were touching it. And, you know, you like to show things because you're proud. You grew it out of a garage. I don't care what state of growing you're at. People like to show what they're capable of. So anytime you hear, hey, buy it from the guy who makes it, 
vet the guy who made it. Spend 10 minutes, um, look him up, or just plan a trip and go there. And if you're going to be putting in a big order, plan the trip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Daniel. Oh, no, I was just listening. Yeah, agreeing to the wisdom. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely wisdom there. I see, um, you know, there's, there's actually a lot of comments about this here. So uh, who do you know who makes who makes crush washers? Who makes uh, who makes muzzle devices? Who who makes those things here in America? Are there a lot of people or a few people? I don't know of a single one. Okay. How about you guys? I don't. Um, uh, no. I'm trying not, to think. Wait, I pro- uh, let me see. Have I seen anyone actually machining out those things? Um, I'll tell you. I think muzzle devices. Yeah, I think I've seen muzzle devices being machined. Well, Nuts also makes some other odd things that mm-hmm. you would think made overseas, but they really do make them. Mm-hmm. Is this company called Rex Selenium? Okay. It's, it's, it's Silencer King. They used to yeah, be. But we, it's, yeah, we had him they, on the show actually. Okay, they make yeah. stuff. Okay. Uh, and and you know you nose around long enough, you run into these people that make these things. Yeah. And legitimate yeah he's very he's very he's a very smart guy he we actually had him here on the show talking about something that i was going to segue into next after we talked about the manufacturing thing connected to our conversation about what's going on with banking operation chokehold etc you know um there were people talking about cryptocurrencies we actually had him on the show here because you can buy his suppressors using bitcoin um, and then there's a there's a company that uh, I've been doing a lot of stuff with called Tusk, uh, T U S C, which is a cryptocurrency for the firearms industry. And when we first had Tusk on the show, they spot they sponsor the show now actually, and they pay us in Tusk crypto, which is pretty cool because <laughs> you know I'm able to I'm I'm that makes me vested in in the whole thing. You know, and I'm able to track it, and that forces me to figure out how everything's working. But we had him on the show talking about this. Have you guys thought about that? Because I think that as time goes on here, this is where the industry, or at least one of the places that the industry is going to have to go to in order to actually stay alive here and do business and have people buy things from you, you know, be able to trade, etc. Why do you think we'd have to go away from using conventional currency or or you just think the banking will stop wire transfers to the gun manufacturers yeah i think it's because i think it's because of what the banks are doing right this is an easy place i mean these are corporations corporations are they're not just in business they they intend to be to be like i said social justice warriors this is what we have from a lot of businesses that exist and we've all seen it from from uh the banking side of this Right. And they're obviously being allowed to discriminate when you when you refuse to engage in lending with someone who has the credentials or the credit score, the wherewithal. They're a legitimate business doing a legitimate business that's actually even protected um, in the Constitution. That's definitely, uh, without a doubt to me, discrimination. And that's where they will cut everything off. And that's dangerous to me. I kind of look at it as. you know, what's a dollar? Mm-hmm. A dollar is a dollar because we think it's a dollar. It's mm-hmm. really a piece of paper. Yeah. Right? 
$20 bill. It's a piece of paper, but we think we give it the $20. So I think people are just losing faith in the system. Uh, you know, we, we really have nothing to back it up anymore. We, we got away from the gold standard, you know, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So yeah. for something, they might be a little bit more secure that they, they can control a little bit. So at, at least the Bitcoin stuff, I think, is more like a market value type thing. Uh, yeah. Versus, you know, today, $20 might be worth $10 tomorrow. Yeah, so, I, I think it's also I agree with that. I think I think that's very good. But I and, and I think it's also. Um, an effort to decentralize for those reasons. So things being centralized where the government controls it and then a few companies and they could do all of this stuff, it's scary to a lot of people these days. So crypto represents decentralization away from that. It's safe. In a lot of ways, it's safer um, than what the government's doing with dollar. Right now, they're just printing money and sending out checks to people and everyone's just enjoying it. Well, every single time you cash one of those checks, it devalues the dollar, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, um, uh, I don't know. Daniel, did you want to, did you, have you looked into any of this crypto stuff, man? Yeah, actually, um, I think it could potentially be the future of how the industry does business. You know, there's, there's risk in it as far as, you know, it is a digital currency if the lights go off, you know. Where's your cash? But, uh, yeah, like you said, there's a lot of banks that are actively discriminating against the industry and uh, denying us the ability to do business. Yeah. I think it's a good go around and at the least a good backup plan. Yeah. For a lot of us, our money is in the banks anyway. So if the lights go off, it's digital. Our money is digital anyway for a lot of people. Yeah. All my money is in Amazon, so... (laughs) <laughs> it's in ammo. <laughs> uh, I wish I had enough money to be able to afford ammo right now. I wished I was in the primer business right now. <laughs> we need more people in, in America in the primer business, obviously. Yeah. You know, I think that's the thing. Um, so, look, here's one of the things I think about crypto, you know, that I think is really important. And I'm not trying to I'm not trying to pretend I'm an expert. You know, I usually have Rob McNeely from he's the, the founder of the Tusk uh, cryptocurrency. You know, I have him come on the show and he could talk about all this stuff. If if you guys are interested, I could always connect you. Um, anyone who's interested in this can Google or search on whatever search engine you use, uh, Tusk Crypto, and they've got a lot of things there and ways to communicate with them. But I, I put it like this. If you look at, if you go back in time to people who came to America, right? So when the Irish came to America, when the Italians came to America, when people like my family comes to America from the Caribbean, banks don't want to lend to them. <laughs> Think about that. So what do they do? They get together. That's this is typically where mafias come out of. I, I realize that that's you know looked at as a bad thing. But if you're an Italian immigrant and the banks won't lend anything to you, you go to the mafia don or whoever over there, and they go, okay, we'll we'll you know we'll we'll lend you this money to start up this business, and you pay it back. This is how communities were built, you know. Absolutely. And he's the Jews. They all take care of when you get into their little. Chinatown still mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
lots of people lots of people do this because this is where you could go to when you know when you get closed out like this this is what happened right this is what happened to a lot of these different people there was discrimination etc so this is the thing i think about the firearms industry that if these discussions are being had they're being had very privately you know they're not really yeah. being have being had openly in the firearms industry except maybe in formats like this but this is what we need to do we need our own ecosystem not like a tree hugging thing whenever i say that to people <laughs> out there they're like oh my god you want to save the planet um yeah most gun guys actually do uh care about the environment a lot of us live like i do out in the country but when i say ecosystem we need our own economic system where the money stays within our system where we're borrowing and lending to each other and doing business with each other and enabling the business to be done with each other and then other people can't come in from the outside and close us off it sucks that it has to be that way but it's what it comes down to when you're under threat yeah, I agree. Our own two A infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you know, you guys being captains of industry, Chris and Amari, what do you what do you guys think about this? I'm I'm more concerned about the driving force making people think that the banks should not lend to us than making the banks think it's a good idea to distance themselves from us. I'd like to see what we we're talking about earlier maybe before we went live with somebody like Donald Trump with the MyPillow guy getting a social media platform where we get our freedoms back, where we're not afraid, where if I said, hey, look, look what I got. And I, I wanted to show something that was safe and empty and discuss it without having your podcast shut down mm -hmm. immediately because they're watching it and censoring you. <laughs> I, I, I think that if we can not attack a symptom of their social media, uh, but rather just start our own. Mm -hmm. I think get, I tell you, they'd fall in line. If, if Donald Trump had his own social media platform and his 50% of America went to it, banks are money hungry. They would follow suit. As soon as they see that it's okay, they would fall in line. Do you, I so, I mean, do you really think that's so? I mean, I would assume that right now, if Donald Trump was just trying to, just from, like, Donald Trump on his own, saying, hey, I'm going to start a social media platform, the easiest way for them to shut them off is through the banks. If you, if you go back and do an autopsy on what happened to Parler, literally, it was, or, it was an organized destruction of Parler. Their lawyers, their own lawyers dropped them first thing that morning. If you go back and look at, at the parlor guys talking about this, they got dropped from everyone. They got dropped financially, they got dropped from servers, their lawyers, everything. Everyone pulled out. And this is the, so this, I think what you're saying is a good idea. It would have been easier to do in the past. But in today's yes. world, when these org when these organizations get together and go, we're not going to let you win. When the media is sitting down and talking to the banking industry and the banking industry is talking to the guys that have the big servers and even the, you know, the politicians and the lawyers and everyone's sitting down at a table and going, how do we get rid of these people? That's a problem. And that's probably why up till now, we're in April, we have not seen Trump come out with that platform yet. Because the actual doing of it, if it involves money, 
There's probably a lot of people that don't want to give him money. Twitter permanently banned him. Facebook permanently banned him. That's a president. That's an ex-president of the United States of America. So it's not far-fetched to think that there's other entities out there going, no, we are not going to fund this. We're not going to allow it to happen. You're making 100% sense that they would go, why wouldn't we want half of these people? Why wouldn't we want to be involved in that business? Why do they deny you uh, funding? Same same reason. Right, right now, at my level, I'm okay because uh, on a cash basis, mm-hmm. I can afford it. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think that Donald Trump and a couple of his buddies don't need funding. You'd like to think that they could tackle this out of pocket. And uh, if they success mm-hmm. on it, you think it's yeah. too much? Well, <laughs> so... For a long time, if you actually look at the kind of money that that Google, we're we're right now broadcasting live on YouTube, right? And YouTube is owned by Google. If you ever look at their books, they lost billions and billions of dollars for um, uh, what is it like at least two decades or approaching two decades to build up YouTube to what it is as a platform. Uh, same thing for Facebook and other platforms that exist out there. Tremendous amount of money. You you can't. Like, even if you win the lottery and you win $100 million, that's not enough money to actually fund a, a true social media platform. Huh? You'd think a couple few billion would get the job done. Yeah, but do those guys actually, I mean, this is, this, is my, this is from my understanding of how people do business. Even if they have it, do they actually put it up? Because you're right. going to burn through that. You know, and if so, for example, if, if I was Trump, I wouldn't do it because I'm everyone's enemy. I don't think it's right. I think it's one of the worst travesties that I've ever seen uh, befall America, where they actually think it's OK to take an ex-president and just marginalize him at every turn. OK, I'm with you on that. But this is exactly what we've seen. So if I had a billion dollars. I wouldn't try to take my money and put it there because those guys would be like, oh, come on, man. We will help you burn that billion dollars down to nothing. I think it's better to leverage something and at least partner up or put some kind of thing together. But do these guys actually put real money on the table? And we're talking, in the, for this kind of stuff, we're talking an incredible amount of money that it would take to actually uh, build out the network. So I'm not educated on that. Mm-hmm. And then completely ignorant, but I thought a billion dollars would still get you a lot here in the U.S. Sounds like social media, maybe not so much. Yeah, I don't think I don't I don't think Parler had it. So what Parler was basically doing, I think their servers were Amazon. You know, that's the most affordable way to get into it. And listen, there's a lot of guys pretending to have platforms. You know, and I spent a lot of time looking into this and doing things behind the scenes when it comes to these platforms. There are a lot of people even today pretending that they have platforms. And really what they have is some kind of agreement with Amazon or some other company that's a server company. Yeah. Yes. But the minute that becomes popular, that can all be shut down. That's the the case study is parlor. So they didn't really own their their backbone, which is the servers. They lease these. They lease this server access from Amazon, right? So a couple of things happened. Uh, Apple and Google got together and said, 
we are going to pull your app from the store so there's going to be no connection there and then the servers also turned around and said we're not going to allow you you've got uh, i think it's either 24 or 48 hours to back up your stuff and then we are pulling the plug on that server that's where the real money comes into play and that's why uh, parlo went down and then even when they came back they made drastic changes including kicking certain key people off the platform right so they had to make these deals so the true kind of freedom that we're talking about here um i don't think if you're a guy sitting on a billion dollars you have enough money yeah well, let, me the, let me ask you the sixty-four thousand dollar question then mm -hmm. so if and i i'll use this term lightly so in this fatalistic view then how do we come out of it because there, there's no way to come out of it um right? what I think, yeah, I don't think my view, my view is not fatalistic. I mean, it may sound like that, <laughs> admittedly, <laughs> but I don't think it's fatalistic. I think that we, we need to have a, a good understanding of it and then be able to um, not dig our way into it, right? So it's like, if you've ever gone bankrupt, if you've ever had money problems, I know I definitely have uh, a couple of times in my life. What do people, what do people always say? Stop digging. That's so that's where that's what we actually, you know, we need to start there. We need to stop digging. It's not necessarily an issue of just pouring money into something, you know, yeah. or getting it more into debt. I think it's a, it starts with an issue of understanding exactly what it is that we're up against. And this is the reason why I was mentioning uh, blockchain uh, instead of traditional servers because what blockchain is and this is my basic like rudimentary kindergarten level understanding of blockchain it's it's what's behind bitcoin so uh bitcoin's constantly being verified right and that's why it's actually considered a more secure currency than the dollar so it's constantly being verified by a bunch of computers all over the country all over the the planet and pretty much um, people could just sign up, have servers, and the servers almost come together like cloud servers. But it's, yes. it's a lot of different individuals. There's some people who do it as businesses. Some people have more servers connected. Some people just have one, you know. But those people don't care and don't get caught up in politics. Or if this cluster of people did get caught up in politics and they didn't want to participate, they could drop out, other people could come in. So what that allows is that because... Um, because of that kind of a system, you don't have this one uh, monolithic conglomerate that gets together and says, we will not allow these people any server access. You have it spread out over a bunch of different servers all over the place that are, con you know, you can constantly turn on and off and all that. So that makes it more secure. And I'll give you an example. Um, there's an app called Minds, M-I-N-D-S, and it has a light bulb. That guy... The guy who founded that was on Joe Rogan, and that is backed, that's on the blockchain. So when, shortly after they pulled the plug on Parler, Google and Apple wanted to pull the plug on that. And the reason why they haven't yet, but even if they do, they can't shut that company, that app down, is because even if they pull it, maybe I can't go through there, but their servers are still going to be up because they're on the blockchain. So it will still be easy for me through my phone to have access to that, 
right? I could just go through my browser, go in there, make a bookmark on my uh, on my screen of that browser, go in there, put in my password or whatever, and get into it. So they can they can deny them access to the phone apps, but they can't actually <laughs> stop it. And if you think back years ago to when uh, iPhones first came out, this is what was going on between Google and Apple. They wouldn't give Google an app. So for me to get access to Google, I would just go through my browser, www.google, go there, make a, um, you know, put it on my screen, right? Bookmark it on my screen. And then I would go there and eventually Apple, you know, gave up and let them have an app. So I think that that's where we need to start. We need things like that so that we cannot be shut down. Otherwise, you're going to waste a lot of money and energy and efforts of everyone signing up. What happened to Parler, because we all jumped on there, if, if people are starting up stuff now and it's five, ten thousand 10,000 or whatever, low numbers, no one cares. When Parler started hitting millions and millions of people on there, those guys had a meeting, the powers that be, and they said, this thing has to die. So I think that's where if if it was me doing it, you know, it's like you wouldn't just jump in as a as someone in the industry, you wouldn't just jump in there. You'd be like, "Hey, I need to know everything that needs to get done in order to do this." And I would start there because if we could make sure that we've that we're securing it on that level, I think we're good to go. If I see Trump just jumps in with Parler, who to my understanding, they still don't have their act together. I'm going to be like, oh, so he's just going to do that. Everyone's going to go over there. They'll shut it down again. I, I want that thing they can't shut down. Is that you say you have a kindergarten education on this, then I guess I'm nonverbal. <laughs> <laughs> and all it's telling me is I need to operate in the in, at my level where I'm comfortable, which is just manufacturing. Yeah. And everything else about my thoughts is just... Uh, ignorant speculation because I would have thought, eh, how hard could it be? But that's obviously a statement made out of ignorance. Um, no, it's understandable though. I think you're making a good point. You know, why haven't we done this already? Why haven't we looked into it? What are we up to? That's the counter. I mean, right right now it just seems that everybody everybody's upset, but nobody's doing anything to counter. Mm-hmm. I mean, the they're the, the leaning to the left. Uh, we're almost hitting the ground because of, we're bending so far, mm-hmm. uh, but nobody's saying anything. So you, you can't talk about this. You can't talk about that. You get shut down for this. You get shut down for that. But the other side gets to do and say basically whatever they want. You, you know, if you control the narrative, you control the outcome. Mm-hmm. So let's have meaning. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, the reason I said about fatalistic view is it's just so. So what are the options? And you I, obviously you presented one. I'll tell you. And it's not just the firearms industry. You, you're here in Florida, as we discussed. Mm-hmm. You see what they're doing to our governor. Mm-hmm. So you step out of line and disagree with uh, mainstream media. They want to censor you and ban you. Yeah, this is um, this is how everything is being done nowadays, and um, it's it's crazy. So you know what? Recently, I think in uh, Minnesota, uh, I could be wrong. I think it was Minnesota. There was a shooting, right? Um, and, uh, you know, this particular place, the people, most of the people that run the politics in this place are black people. The guy who got shot, black guy. I think the police chief is white. The, the, the police officer that shot him is, uh, she's, she's white, I think. But the people who run everything are 
for the most part, people of color. There's a reason why I'm telling you guys this. So this thing happened. Obviously, something went wrong here. Um, the there's a there's someone who sits on this council because typically, who runs a police department? The mayor of that city, yeah. <laughs> right? And and the city council. So someone on the city council said, and and when I was looking at it, it looked like a, a person of color to me, right? And he and he said, look. We have to do we have to do our due diligence here before we, we can't just fire someone. We have to go through some steps before we do anything. They did a they did a city council meeting and they fired that dude for saying yeah. that. That's the world that we're living in. I think right now the police chief has quit. The police officers quit. I'm not I'm not taking sides. I have no clue what happened other than what I've seen. And from what we're hearing, the police officer, she thought she was reaching for a stun gun. She shot this guy with a with a with an actual her actual service pistol. It's a mess. But we are now we're living in a thing where even common sense of let's investigate this and see what happens, even though most likely that's going to lead to the fact that we're going to fire this police officer that is out the window. Yeah, you get judged by public opinion. Again, it's because who controls the narrative controls the outcome, and then there's a push. Uh, obviously, being a retired 30-year cop, I, I have a lot to say about this. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, it's everything boils down to training. Training, training, training. I wrote an article one time, and, and it upset a lot of people because I compared uh, becoming a cosmetologist, cutting hair, mm -hmm. uh, to becoming a law enforcement officer. And... Back then, I don't know what it is now, you needed 2,000 hours of training uh, to cut hair. Mm -hmm. And then you had to be licensed. Right. Well, we go to a police academy. It's X number of months. And I'm not dissing the police academy. I was a senior academy instructor. Uh, but you go to the you go to that and you, and you get certified. And so the state of Florida puts more impetus on hair cutting than it does the training of law enforcement officers. Mm -hmm. So that, that's my point. Yeah. She... You know, you uh, you wear your, your gun on your shooting side, your strong side, and the taser goes on the opposite side so that you don't accidentally reach for it. Under stress, all your fine motor skills go out the door. You go into gross motor skills. You do what you've done all the time. How you train is how you fight. Mm -hmm. So she does what she's always done because you don't practice drawing your taser. It's just something you do, but you do what? Practice drawing your gun. So under stress... She, she did what she's probably done hundreds and thousands of times. So I believe she uh, was on the force a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, so she's done what she's done hundreds of times on the range. And re under stress, she reached for the gun. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, yeah. and uh, I mean, the police she was talking about is an accidental discharge. Uh, we don't use that term in Florida anymore. It's, it's, negligent. Neg it's negligent discharge. Because mm -hmm. yeah, it's not an accident when you reach for your gun and you pull the trigger. No. <laughs> no. But, and uh, to your point... Uh, due process does work in this country. She is going to be held accountable. She will. She will be found guilty in a criminal and a civil suit uh, because she's at fault. Now, there's no criminal intent that we know of. She didn't try to kill the guy on purpose. So it's not murder, but she is responsible for taking that human life. Uh, I mean, think about all the tragedy on both sides. Every every several lives are ruined here. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, with, with, without a doubt, it was a perfect storm. Uh, type of situation that everyone I'm not sure what was like I said I don't know everything happening there I don't know why this guy was trying to leave or whatever it is did huh did you watch the body cam 
I looked at a little bit of that. For some reason, he was. Sh- I, I don't think I got everything in what I was looking at. No. W- what do you think about it, Daniel? Well, you know, I'm an ex-law enforcement too. So, mm-hmm. uh, part and some of the stuff I do on my channel, I do I do breakdowns and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, she clearly thought she had she she had her taser, and like he said, your taser it's worn on the opposite side of your body. It's a completely different weight. It's a different operating system. You know, you have a you have a safety that you have to switch on, which it which in turn turns on a laser, and mm-hmm. you got these numbers that light up on the back of your taser. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of visual cues there if you if you train yourself properly. Because, like you said, I know a lot of I, I worked with a lot of cops, and even their basic pistol skills were you know any anywhere but acceptable. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, if you're going to carry a less lethal device, I think you should go the extra mile, even if you have to do it yourself and get trained up, practice drawing that, and take it upon yourself. Because in the end, it doesn't matter if you're wearing a badge. It doesn't matter what department you're with. At the end of the day, you're responsible for the actions that you take. Yep. Mm -hmm. Well, I I disagree with you there. Um, This lady meant to do no wrong. No. She clearly said, taser, taser, taser. She she was an honest... It was an honest mistake. I and believe I, it was. And I, I've seen this happen before. Yeah, you got to give law enforcement the benefit of the doubt. And, and you know, there's no way to believe that there was intent here. I, I hope she's not criminally prosecuted. Now, if they want to fire out of um, some kind of, hey, you're, you just screwed up too bad and we got to let you go, understandable. But I hope to God... And, I, and I'll pray that she doesn't end up getting any kind of criminal charges for something that would, there was no no intent. You know? Yeah. I mean, look, I so I, I would say this. I would give uh, almost, almost, I'm saying almost everyone the benefit of the doubt here. I think for sure mistakes happen. And this more than likely was a a tragic mistake but there's so many different parts if that's your kid if that's my kid and you made that mistake you can't do anything to to console me or appease me um you 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 took my kid from me you cannot give me my my kid back right um but that doesn't take away from the fact that people make mistakes Mm -hmm. so you know so obviously this is a horrible mistake which you know the the price that she has to pay for making a horrible mistake has to be is equally as horrible as what the mistake was you know and yeah. and that's going to happen yeah that's going to happen she's going to pay the price for that um you know i don't like you just like you just said chris i don't think that's a thing where you prosecute someone like saying that they try to murder a person okay i don't think it, it rises to that but she made a horrible mistake you cannot pay back those people for their kid but you're you're going to have you're, you're going to have problems probably the end of her career right probably um th- this like in these days no one forgets anything so a thing that's going to travel with her for the rest of her life maybe you know rightly yeah. so and now the city is going to pay for that, right? The city is going to pay for has. that. Yes, it already, it already has. <laughs> yeah. They looted 20-some stores on 
before we started this podcast. Yes, and the people of that city are are going to pay for it as well. And a lot of this, to me, it always comes out like no one no one looks at this and sees that this is a place that's you know the like I don't know if we put if we keep putting this stuff in the in into the box of this is like systemic racism or whatever. I think that it comes back to police officers aren't being properly vetted. They're not being properly trained. They're not properly compensated and retrained uh, throughout their career as police officers. We don't do the right things to um, to maintain a lot. Of, and a lot of police officers out there, people in law enforcement, are good people, professionals. But we don't do what we need to do to retain those people uh, that 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 have that high amount of professionalism in the job. They leave and go other places because it's not a big enough reward for that. You know, so there's all these things that we do and it's on us. It's just like blaming uh, people in America being, you know, dying on guns. The gun is an inanimate object. You know, it's a thing that human beings do. And we're going to use guns, cars, knives, whatever we can get our hands on to do stuff. So if you're going to blame all of this, you have to blame it on all the people in in this city, in this town uh, that are that are right now trying to figure out who we're going to fire, how we're going to deflect this off of us. And it's basically their responsibility. So many different things. Why? Why are you using a taser? that's even going to feel or function like a firearm. Right. And the original taser, you know, it. I could see this mistake being made more with the original taser because mm-hmm. the handle was, you know, it was the same size as my Glock 17. It, you know, it was about the same, same overall size. Mm-hmm. And then the X26 came out and it was, has this little small handle. You can only get one finger around Another finger goes in the trigger well. And there, there's a lot of differences there. The the feel, the way you aim it, everything's different about the taser to your firearm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I, like, I think it's just a lack of training. And yeah. like, like you guys said, I think uh, in a criminal court, the state would have a hard time proving intent. But in a civil court, she's definitely going to pay for it. Oh, no, yeah, no, she's yeah. screwed. Her life is and, ruined, yeah. yeah. It's the agency... But, yeah. Yeah. That's gonna yeah. You have to remember there, there's culpable negligence, and that's and yeah. that's mm-hmm. the point that I was getting into. Yeah, there there is enough criminality there, uh, and again, every every crime speaks to intent. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can't walk away on criminal charges from I, I didn't mean to do it. You know, you're still responsible. Right. Yeah, you, you still did guy, it. <laughs> you push the guy because you're angry. It's not a self defense situation. He hits his head in a bumper of a car and dies. You're responsible for that. I mean, you didn't mean to do that. But you're responsible for that, so I, I have to. Uh, I'll have to take exception to my to my honorable panel. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's happen to anybody, but I do think she's going to be held found culpable. Yeah, without a doubt, she's going to pay the price for that. Uh, just like the family is going to pay the price that they don't have that person there. And I don't, you know, I mean, some people when these kinds of things happen, people get into, oh, this was a good guy, bad guy. You know, this. Here's here's the point, the big point that I'm making. We're like how we we are the ones responsible for everything, and the way that we do things is the biggest fault here. When stuff like this happens, the people who should take fault are the people who are running that place. Yeah, they're the ones responsible. 
You're you're running you're running this. You're like police departments don't just exist on their own. They have bosses. There's all these people who are doing things. If we have a problem with the police department, you know, you can't just blame it on the police officers in that department, right? There's more people right. at fault here. What's the, what were the requirements? What were you guys doing? How did how did sure. we how did you wind up in this situation? In it the always first place? boils down to the least common denominator, you know. So. Uh, all things aside, let's forget about this incident. So just mm-hmm. talking general. They go for the police officer. They go for the deputy. Eh, we solved the problem. We fired them, and they move on. You forget yeah. that that officer had a sergeant. Yep. That <laughs> had a lieutenant. That lieutenant had a captain. <laughs> Ultimately, if you're the sheriff, one of the 67 counties here in Florida, you're responsible for everything that happens uh, in your department. How often have you seen a sheriff get pulled into court? and be charged with something or accused of something because one of his guys did it. He's still responsible. Mm-hmm. He's responsible for everything. Yeah. I mean, when, when I was a lieutenant and one of my deputies did something questionable or whatever, I always called the sergeant in. And mm-hmm. we had a three-way conversation between me, the sergeant, and the deputy because it was like he doesn't operate in a void. Yep. He has a supervisor. So the supervisor either has let him do this behavior mm-hmm. and not called him on it, or has not noticed his behavior. So what's he doing as a supervisor if he's not monitoring his people? <laughs> mm-hmm. So I agree with you 100%. There are other people that need to be held accountable, for sure. Yeah. It's us. I mean, overall, this is who it is. It's us. Like, we don't ever take responsibility. Look, I'll, I'll switch you. I'll, I'll t- go to a different thing. Trump. I, I voted for Trump each, both times. Voted for him, everything. So if whoever wants to get mad could get mad. When Trump said, forget due process... <laughs> Do you remember that? Does anyone remember that? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> wrong. <laughs> that was weird. Wrong. <laughs> it's wrong. <laughs> you know, it's wrong. When he when they decided to take pieces of plastic and make pieces of plastic into machine guns, wrong. <laughs> now now we're going to be mad. Now we're going to be mad at Biden because they're going to because Biden is going to organize the ATF and Trump never didn't get it together, didn't get someone nominated into the ATF. Now we're going to be mad. Okay, we we should be mad. We should push back against that person. But the the, tr- the we we have to face reality that what was done um, under the Trump administration when it comes to these things was also wrong. This is how we solve problems. We go, "Nope, you do no. Due process is there for a reason." It's there for a reason. The person could be totally wrong, but it's there for a reason. We have to go through this process before we fire the person. We're not just going to jump out here and start firing people because the media is all up in arms and everyone's uh, out there protesting and burning down their own neighborhood. We're not going to fire people. But you know what? We're living in an America where we fire someone who goes, no, no, no. Hold on a second, guys. We've got to do due process here. You know, it's a lynch mob mentality. It's a string yep. them up mentality, you know, and yep. it's sca- it's scary to me. And, and the scariest thing about it is there's people in America who look like me who are agreeing with this when there was a time in America when people were getting lynched and there was and, and, and it was wrong. And then there's people like, no, let's just lynch people now. Let's just lynch them. Let's just go for it. Right. It's still wrong. There's nothing that there's nothing that makes that situation right. Yeah, I'm, I'm concerned as a former officer and instructor with the changing of the officer bill of rights. You know, basically, though every state's got something different, it's just to, to 
make sure that the officer has his due process. So when you start messing with that, then you're, you're screwing with his due process. Yes. Right? And what's what's the dangerous thing about that, though? Why is that so dangerous? Now, there's going to be a lot of people out there who, like, I know there's folks who hate police officers or who love them. I'm looking at this in a very practical way. I have people who I love and who I care about and who are family members that are in law enforcement. At the same time, those same people hate it when there's bad cops. They hate bad cops more than anyone. But why is it when you when you start tampering with this Bill of Rights that it becomes a bad thing to do? And I'm going to ask uh, you, and then I'm going to ask Daniel, since you're both, uh, you know, people that were in law enforcement. I can only speak to the one in Florida, right? Because I'm not mm -hmm. familiar with it. Uh, but it's just a fairness thing. Like, for example, one of the things is you can't be questioned at 3 o'clock in the morning. You know, you have to be questioned at a reasonable time. You know, it, it's more of like what we do to criminals, we want to at least do to the police officers. Mm -hmm. You know, we want to afford them the same due process, we want to afford them the same ability rights. Certain things you can't do, like you can't trick the officer to saying something, then use it in a criminal case. Uh, most times if an officer does something bad, the criminal case comes first, and then the internal comes afterwards because you don't want to, you don't want to ever uh, threaten or take a chance of screwing up the criminal case. Uh, but when they start talking about civilian oversight, or they start talking about changing the Bill of Rights, when they start talking about we're going to change, uh, you know, the, the standard of, of reasonableness, right? Everybody's judged the same way. Self-defense is self-defense. It doesn't matter if you're a cop or not, mm -hmm. right? So are you judged in court? Would a reasonable person under the same circumstances do the same thing? So that's the standard. So when you start screwing with the Officer Bill of Rights, you no longer have that standard. It's whatever the Officer Bill of Rights says. Mm. We're going to do ABCD instead of give the man due process. So that's how I see the danger, because it's 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 an attack on fairness. And just because you're a police officer doesn't mean you're any you're any less of a person. You just got a different job. Mm hmm. Okay. That's um. I, I think uh, I get that. I get that. That's a that's a good answer, uh, Daniel. I'd like to see what your answer is, or here. Well, I don't know. I got I, I've got mixed feelings about the bill, the police officer bill of rights. Um, you know, if say Joe Blow goes out commits a murder at three o'clock in the morning and he gets questioned, nobody's going to protest to him getting questioned. I think police officers should be held to the same standard. Um, I, I'm not so much for the police officer bill of rights because I feel like it gives police a little bit of extra protection, just my opinion. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, I think, uh, in a true balanced, fair system, we should also be held to the same standard police officer or not. If you were in the right, the evidence will show that if you were in the wrong, the evidence will show that. I don't think if you're involved in a police officer shooting that, you know, a police union rep can come in and say, hey, you can't ask him questions, you can't do this, you can't do that. I think uh, for transparency's sake and public relations sake, I think uh, because we are in a different time, we are in an era where police officers are being attacked. So I think from a law enforcement standpoint, we need to be proactive and work in a positive manner that's not going to compromise the officer but it's going to give the public a little bit more access, not necessarily civilian oversight, you know, nothing like that. I, I'm not, you know, about all that. I'm mm -hmm. not about 
civilian or I'm sorry, regular citizens answering calls and, you know, uh, social workers showing up the domestics and stuff like that. That's mm-hmm. you'll, I'll never agree to anything like that. But I think yeah. there is some reform that needs to happen. And I think uh, the police officer bill of rights is a good thing to look at, not necessarily change or get rid of, but take a good, hard, long look at. Can I chime in? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I don't I don't agree with my, my <laughs> You guys are awesome. <laughs> I don't care. Mm-hmm. I I love cops. I want them to have that advantage. Um, they're out there doing a difficult job. They definitely don't need to be Monday morning, you know, uh, somebody quarterback telling them what they could have done, whatever. Uh, Why not? No. No. They're out there doing a difficult job. Yes, if you want to improve their training, fine. Yes, this lady accidentally shoots a boy. Uh, I think the worst thing that should happen to her is she'll be haunted. She'll have nightmares the rest of her life. She knows what she did was wrong. Yes, the city will pay. But okay, so that's I think we I think we all agree that that particular situation is an accident, Chris. But you know what about situations that are look cops are human are people too, <laughs> they're human beings. So like I said, most of most of them are professionals doing a job, but there are some people that become police officers to be bullies. Right. And there are some people who abuse their power. There are people who become corrupt, who maybe start out doing something for the right reason and they become corrupt. We can't give them like blanket immunity to everything that they could just do whatever the hell. When, when I was looking, when I was looking, let me just say this. When I was looking at the video of the um, of the guy that's in the uh, army in I think that was Virginia. Someone will correct me here. I'm sure if I'm wrong. What was the reason for these guys getting mad at this guy because he went to a gas station to pull over, right? Yeah. And they they just kept escalating when they saw him in a uniform. So here's a guy in a uniform that's a professional seeing another person in a uniform and still escalating. And still, when I look at that video, I say to myself, what's wrong with this this police officer here? Why is he flying off the handle? That guy cannot have uh, unqualified immunity. I agree with you there because I, too. I had never, I never had a problem with pulling somebody over, and they put on their flashers, they drove the speed limit. Here's a dark place, pulling into a park lit parking lot of 7-Eleven or whatever. I never had any problems with that stuff. That's just common sense because I have, I have three daughters, mm-hmm. right? So I don't want any I, cops or not. I don't want somebody pulling her over in the middle of nowhere. So right. I, I give them those instructions: just put on your flashers, do not speed, find a well lit place. That's mm-hmm. just common sense. Yeah, I mean, I think we all give that advice to our wives, our children. I mean, and we should probably take it ourselves. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and I and I agree with you. I think on a case by case basis, if you pull over somebody, and they're obviously in the military and they're in uniform, um, especially from the from the video that I saw of it, he has windows down. He has his hands out the window. He's indicating that he's absolutely no threat. All he wanted to do was pull somewhere that was well lit. In this instance, uh, those officers, just from what I've seen, I don't have all the facts. I don't know everything, mm-hmm. but just limited information that was available in this incident, they could have definitely handled that a lot better. Yeah, once, that, once all they had to do was verify his ID. If they thought maybe this guy's faking or something, say, hey, do you have your military ID on you? 
Here it goes. Okay. Uh, you know, respect. Listen, uh, take it easy. I pulled you over because you're doing this. You know, be safe. Go about your business. So this is the, this is, I see the juice. The juice here says, is that video real or a deep state fake? Looks like a Hollywood <laughs> production because he went to a lit area. <laughs> that's yeah, re that, that's the reason why the video looks so good. That, so that was, that was a little bit. It was a crazy incident, and, I, and I'm yeah. going to have to agree with you that I think that was, from what I saw, uh, that was cr that was inappropriate. Yeah. Inappropriate, excessive, Just not professional. Yeah. But there might be something off video. Who knows? Yep, we have to see. I, Oh, I'm not cat. I'm not judging them or anything else. I'm just saying, limited video that the media, who I don't trust, provided me. <laughs> That's the conclusion that they would want me to come up with. They want to infuriate me, um, and I'm not going to let that happen. I will say though, based on what we saw, it was it was not good. Yeah. So my my thing on this is that um, to to talk about uh, the officers, what was it, the Bill of Rights and stuff like that. Um, I'm I'm not really I'm not really sure about that, but I can say this: if you make it more difficult um, for police officers that are out there, you're going to have a tough time getting people getting into that job, and you're going to have a tough time retaining people who are in that job, and that's one of the big problems that we have. So we have to we, we have to kind of balance this and look at it is that we are we created this job of police officer, right? It's not us as citizens. We carry guns. We don't carry guns so that we could become police officers. That's not what we are, right? We're doing it so we could defend and protect ourselves and our family and our property. But we create these jobs that we give to someone and we ask them to go out there and do that job. And at the end of the day, it's a dangerous it's a dangerous job. You know, and there's lots of risks that go along with that job. Right here, I live in I live in a in a small county. You know, not a lot of people here. There was really never any kind of uh, murders or anything like that w when I moved here. I think since I moved, there was one murder of, of an old lady that hasn't been solved, which is terrible. And then two police officers were murdered here a few years ago where yeah. they were having lunch and someone just walked up to them with a rifle in the diner, where they, in, in the restaurant where they were having lunch and just shot them point blank. These were some guys that, you know, uh, probably like six months or something before that, I was out there training with those guys. You know, they don't have access to a lot of training and, and all this kind of stuff, right? Small town deputies. So it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous thing. So we want people to do this, not do it for a lot of money. You know, um, in cases like here where this is maybe like small in terms of numbers, but massive in terms of size. <laughs> and these guys could be out on a farm somewhere and get into trouble with someone and can completely disappear right yeah so how do we balance this off where we even get people becoming police officers and doing this job and taking up the mantle and becoming a professional and have some kind of protection for the fact that if you take this job you're definitely getting into to something yeah. that's that's the tough question it, it it just boils down to two things training and accountability so like I said earlier, every police officer has, every deputy, he has a sergeant, there's a lieutenant, there's a captain, and it just, there's an accountability chain. Um, if you have an officer that's extremely aggressive, you know, there's a first incident. 
you know, when, when there's a second, third, fourth, and fifth, and your supervisor doesn't do anything about it, you know, you got to yank him back and pull him back and say, yo, 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 calm your ass down. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about this. And then you, do, you give him some training. You document uh, any Chris, I think he's I think he's having uh, PTSD there on you. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The only thing I can equate it to is is the only thing I know. And right now, um, if I hired an idiot off the street and I said, "Hey, I want you to go make parts here at Live Free Armory Night," and I take this guy and I don't train him properly, and I don't put decent supervisors in place. And I don't have quality checks in place, and I don't have a quality manager, and you don't have things like CMMs to check parts. Well, this idiot is going to crash my machines, run scrap if he runs at all, and turn out something that doesn't work. It takes a lot to uh, take somebody and grow them into a true CNC operator. Mm-hmm. A lot more than what you would think, and it and it's the same business model could be applied to, well, basically anytime you want to grow somebody to be trustworthy, to be dependable, to be competent. Uh, I think Mario wrote an article about being competent, competent, and capable. Um, Mm -hmm. You don't get there by accident. Mm -hmm. It takes a lot of hard work by an entire team, and it's a very large investment. Mm -hmm. Really, the only exposure I have to that is here under this roof. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to apply that in law enforcement. Amari does. Um, but I think that would that sounds like a pretty good place to start is just investing not just by raising officer pay, but mm-hmm. investing in infrastructure that surrounds it mm-hmm. and start turning out higher quality people. But that is when we're talking about here it's multi-million dollar just to turn out a stupid Glock slide. Imagine how many millions it would be to turn out a professional uh, law enforcement officer. Mm-hmm. And, and I can't imagine how much it would cost. Yeah, I, I want to make it clear to other officers in the audience, I'm not anti-cop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm very proud of being a cop for 30 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, and the academy teaches you the latest, most up-to-date information. Florida has a great system. My concerns come post-academy. Uh, when you go into your agency, you do their training, you go into a field training officer program, you do X number of weeks in that. More often than not, you get a field training officer that says, that was the academy. We don't do that in the real world. Mm-hmm. Talk to any police officer and you ask him about that, and he'll tell you that he has heard that or experienced that. So it's actually my concerns about when I say training is post-academy, you're working, you've made it off your year probation, and now you're on the street by yourself doing your thing. What do you do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis to keep your skills current, mm-hmm. right? You go to the range on your own. Do you practice your defensive tactics? Do you understand that this is not about fighting, it's about obtaining control, right? It's about doing your job. You can't take it personal. Uh, you know, so that's what I'm talking about. It's the mm-hmm. post What do you do in the next 25 years? I mean, let's face it. You see a police officer. He's not exactly, doesn't exactly look like he's in shape. Now, part of that is because he's wearing 35 pounds of extra stuff. 
and he's wearing a vest, but also he's had a whole, one ho-ho too many because he's working off-duty jobs, he's, he's fighting with the wife. So how many times does he go to the gym? How many times does he go train? So that's what I'm talking about. And, yeah. and it adds up cumulative. You get rusty. You know, you just something a, a different animal takes over over the years. Yeah. So, yeah. So training is a must. Training yeah. I, I don't think in any way that you're um, being anti-cop, Amari. I don't know if any of us really are here. I think that what we're trying to do is solve the problem because obviously the the yeah. politicians aren't being businessmen like you're like you're saying, Chris, and actually you know paying attention to what the problem is here and taking um, you know personal responsibility for for what's happening, right? You well, know, th- I do this want is- to go back and and I just want to say that I don't think anybody here is anti-cop, but. I am blindly pro-cop, and I am always in their corner, and I, I, I genuinely, I could never see myself on a jury convicting a cop. They would have to show me a lot of things. They'd have to bring his mother into Dave Chappelle to get up the level that you would have to go All to. All right, you might be taking it too far. You might be taking it too far. I mean, they're human beings. Look, you know who you know who I see is the toughest critic of police officers, just like Amari, just like Daniel. The people who I see that are the toughest critic of police officers are, in fact, police officers. Yep. Yeah. One bad cop will ruin a years of your work and building in a neighborhood trust. He'll come out, show his behind, and now that community thinks that every cop that goes into their neighborhood is a bad cop. Yeah. Hell, hell, we take, we don't like bad cops. Absolutely, uh, Daniel. Go ahead. I know I, we have you know you got to jump in here, Daniel. Here with them. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and like you said, I'm not anti-cop. I'm not. I'm not to the point to where you know I'm like this fella. But uh, I, I'm pro accountability. I'm. I'm pro getting more training and even more specialized training, like for mental health, uh, mental health people with mental health problems, specialized training and stuff like that. Special mm-hmm. needs. There, there's a, there's a lot of areas we can improve in, and I think the only way to do that is start a legitimate conversation and take a critical look at ourselves. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many, I I would say this, that there's so many problems and it's not just the law enforcement uh, problem that we're facing in America. So look, teaching is horrible, right? But we can't get anything done about teaching because teachers unions are really strong. They're going to jump in there. Oh, don't say anything about the teachers or whatever. You know, there's a lot of things that we need to reexamine in order to make them uh, run or function better in America. But this is a thing that we all ask for. No community really wants to have no cops there. Good luck. Good luck to you having no cops. Now, I think that, that everyone in America should have access to their Second Amendment and realize that they're the that they're their first responders. I believe that. And all the other things I said about policing that I think they need to be better vetted, better trained, reached trained, better compensated, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, ultimately here, we've got problems because we don't want to actually fix the problems that we have. And we are asking for these people to be out there doing this job. We're asking for it. That's a good point because, uh, you know, everybody wants to be a wolf until you have to do wolf things, right? So, 
you want your, the best police force, but we also don't look at the other, other side of that. Do we support the police? Do we help the police? You know, we also don't look at the bad guy. And I'm not trying to make light of this. Please don't think I'm trying to make light of it. But one of the biggest things you can do is don't run. <laughs> if a police officer stops you, don't run. And that it, that takes away everything, other possibility of you getting hurt or whatever, especially if he's, if he's a bad cop. Mm-hmm. So why giving the officer this excuse? So and getting and getting his adrenaline pumping. Look, I have that conversation with my sons all the time, right? I have that conversation with them where I'm like, listen, if something happens out there, you get pulled over by the cops. Follow instructions. You know, first of all, don't do bad things. But if you get into trouble, you follow instructions, and as long as you stay alive, then I could do something about it. Right. We'll deal with this in court. If yeah. it's a bad cop, we'll, we'll file a formal complaint. We'll hire attorneys. We'll deal with it. You have recourse. You're going to be inconvenienced. You might be inconvenienced, but you have recourse. Yeah. But as soon as you point a gun, you take out a knife, you run, you try to run somebody over with a car, I mean, you change the equation. Yeah. And, and you change the equation, you're going to change the answer. You're going to change the outcome. I mean, look, one of the things, so I have like a video on my main channel that people keep going back to. Uh, of me getting pulled over and everything. And everyone says to me, because they disarm me and all this kind of stuff, and it's here in Florida, and everyone's like, why the hell are you letting them disarm you? Why are you doing this? I keep telling them, look, my goal was to get back to my kids. That was my goal. If these guys did something wrong, my goal was to get back home to my kids and I could deal with that later. I the re, the whole reason why that video exists is because an officer or, or a deputy in that department told me, hey, I know why these guys did this to you. You need to get the video. You need to put it out there and make a thing out of it. And it became a thing. And they retrained the police, the, the that particular department. But also the other cops in that department laughed the guy out of that department. Okay. They put more pressure on that guy than anyone. And this is what I'm trying to say to you. You know, I, I run into cops all the time that have that know me and they've seen that video, and they're the ones that are usually the most upset about that. You know? Yeah. So I think that this is the thing that 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 we all need to realize. To me, everyone goes, Oh, you just be a badass. You know, you know your rights. No. In the end, you want to survive. Unless you're actually in a fight for your life in that moment, you know, you need to survive that. Because if you're dead, you can't do anything for your family. It doesn't matter how much money your family gets after you're gone. You're gone. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so um, that's that's the way I look at that. Um, okay, so I don't know if we... Go ahead. Go ahead, Daniel. looks like you have something you want to add. Do uh, you care if I switch gears real quick? Absolutely. Switch please gears. do. <laughs> uh, a little switch bit of yeah. shameless self-promotion. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best kind. Yeah, uh, that's the best kind here, man. Have you uh, have you seen where I'm going on the Surviving Man TV show? No, I haven't seen that. The last time I looked, the last thing I saw, you were making a flamethrower, and I was like, "Oh, Daniel's gonna have no hair the next time he comes on this show." That's what that's what I remember <laughs> I'll, thinking. I'll a little bit less, but for different reasons. <laughs> yeah. So you're uh, what, you're going on Survivor Man. Sur- surviving Man. It's a surviving. Different, it's not a survival show. Oh, okay. What is uh, that about? Hosted by Don Mann. He's okay. A former Navy SEAL. Okay. It's basically a shoot house, physical fitness challenge. Uh, Jerry Michlek's going to be co-hosting. Uh, Randy Couture is going to be co-hosting. Oh. There's a, yeah, there's, big time. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. going to be pretty good. It's going to be pretty yeah. good stuff. 
So how did you uh, wind up? How did this happen? How did you get this gig? Well, um, it, it was through a random email through Big Daddy Unlimited. And okay. it was basically a casting call because Big Daddy, you know, they're uh, sponsoring this show. Okay. And they put out a casting call and I'm like, ah, you know, heck, I'll try it. And I put out a little, I don't know, 40 second video and I got a response pretty quickly. And uh, then when the final casting came along, I was chosen as one of the 31. So. Oh, congrats. Yeah. When's it going to be on, man? Uh, it'll be on this summer. Yeah, yep. it's, uh, it's a whole bunch of special forces challenges, uh, shooting house, hostage rescue, a whole bunch of really cool stuff that I was way too out of shape for. But I've been doing a lot of running and getting back into working out. You know, I, I used to be a professional cage fighter as well. Routine of working out and all that good stuff. And it's, okay. it's been tough. <laughs> it's been tough. How do you think you're going to do with it? Oh, I'm going to kill it. Are you? Did you lose somebody or something like that? Uh, yeah, we're competing against each other. Um, and like I said, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar who Daniel Horner is. He's uh, he used to shoot for the Army shooting team and three gun and stuff like that. Yeah, he's one of the competitors. There's a lot of high caliber people in this former yeah. Special Forces. Okay, Dude, you're cool. Gonna be yeah stuff like that uh hold on one second guys hold on i just want to make sure i had to switch internet sources here seems like we ran into some trouble with our internet so if, if folks are still out there i know people were saying that we were freezing up a little bit so just let me know if you guys can uh still hear us if we're if we're still coming in um just let me know right now if you're out there okay yeah it looks like we're back so smash those thumbs ups and everything i appreciate it sorry about that uh looks like we lost the internet there for a second and i just switched to another one okay so daniel's telling us that he's going to be on surviving man right and um i man know that huh it, man with two n's it's a, it's a last name yes yes uh, you can check out uh, survivingman.com yeah it has it all there. You can check so out the did you already do this? Is it in the can, or you haven't done it yet? No, filming, yeah. filming next month in Vegas. Next month in Vegas. Okay. Yeah, we're out okay. the front right, and uh, filming there. Oh, cool. Now, are they paying for that for your expenses? Or you got to dish that out on your own. Um, some of the stuff I got to dish out, some clothing stuff. Um, all that's still being worked out, and all the good stuff there. So that's awesome. Yeah, congratulations on that. Now I want to, just because I know somebody you want, on it. You want to wear a Live Free Army t-shirt? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Do you need a sponsorship, Daniel? I think you do. You probably yes. do. Yes. Okay. Maybe we could make something happen. What's up? Uh, yeah, we're, I'm going to be vlogging my training on my channel, on Dr. TV, and mm -hmm. um, I'm going to be going training with some Special Forces guy. I got an Israeli Special Forces guy lined up, a Green Beret. And a few other guys, and uh, those room clearing, some knocked some rust off of my trigger pulling abilities, and uh, stuff like that. And it's going to be, like I said, we're going to be vlogging it, and some of that will be used for B roll in the show. So it should be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, go, uh, go ahead. Say that again, guys. Oh, I just said I wish you well. I hope you go far. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, maybe maybe we might get these live free guys to help you out. You know. I, th I think you look good in a black live free army t-shirt. Yeah, you know. 
Yeah, that logo. Absolutely. We'll go ahead and hide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, we'll try to see if we can. You know, if we hey, listen, I don't want to paint these guys into a corner, but um, but obviously, I know that it would be it would be something nice for you. Congratulations, as as uh, the live free armory guys said congratulations on that man that's that's awesome i wish you well i hope you win the whole thing what kind of prizes what are you getting out of this uh when you win uh they're giving away a whole bunch of different guns at different stages okay. and uh there's a cash prize at the end i think 10 grand something like that but yeah, yeah. it should be pretty Awesome. Awesome. Um, I know there's someone out there. Valkyrie 417 says, can you finish the story about being pulled over a deputy in your complex set to make the video? No, a deputy on that department. So it was Alachua Sheriff's Office, which is a local thing here that pulled me over. And one of the deputies that that was in that department told me to get the video and all that. So that's how that that's how that uh, I actually I didn't even know you could get that video. Um, and I put it up there. But if you really want to see it, it's on Hank Strange. I think it's called Driving Wall Strange. So it should be easy. should be easy yeah. to find it. Um, and I didn't really want to put it up because, and, you know, I live here. I don't want to spend my time fighting with these with these guys. And, you know, for the most part, I don't have, I don't have um, a lot of negative uh, experiences with police officers. I, you know, although I do have a lot of experiences with them. I would say the majority of those are positive. Um, this one definitely would fall in the category of one of the negative ones. And some other stuff has happened to me in my life, which I think gives me a little bit of a balanced uh, look at this. For example, I've had police officers just straight up frame me, um, you know, when I was younger. So I think I, I think I have a balanced outlook on the whole thing. But ultimately, the way I see it is we... We ask people to do this job. Therefore, it is our responsibility. I think Chris was saying it. We are the ones responsible for making sure that these that these guys are prop, you know, were properly chosen and then properly equipped uh, to do this job, uh, regardless of what it takes. If we want people to do it, we need to to have the right people doing it the right way, you know. So, um, yeah, I did best and uh, for eight dollars an hour. So that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I'm like my first job when I first became a cop. I got a whole nineteen thousand dollars a year. Yeah, wow. Ooh, wait. Yeah, yeah, I had to buy my own vest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's really bad what's out there. I know when I did some, you know, I did some stuff with uh, my local um, department here. I mean, those guys are, you know, they don't have a lot of equipment. Uh, they're they're just not properly trained. I don't think there's a budget to properly train them. Um, I probably need to spend some uh, time and effort maybe trying to help get people to come in and train these guys because it may be generally quiet to do that kind of job out here in the boonies, but you could just all of a sudden like that find yourself in a really, really bad sticky situation. Um, you know, and we all need to do this thing together. That's the thing. Like I would say to the people living in in neighborhoods where you feel the cops is a definite problem with the with that police department. We're all in this together. You're somehow voting, paying taxes, or whatever for the people who are in charge of these police departments. Get together and solve the damn problem. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. At least at least confront it. At least start a dialogue. Draw yeah. some attention. Yeah. You know, put it out there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. So here's probably what we should do here. Um, I don't know if we listen. You know what? Before we even before we even think of getting out of here, um, 
we didn't really talk about any of the stuff <laughs> that Live Free Armory is making. And you guys are making a lot of stuff. I know. How many CNC machines do you guys have? Can you even say? Uh, no, I could say if I knew, but as we move into this, <laughs> that's a good problem. <laughs> as quickly as um, as quickly as they can come in from the various. When you go to buy a CNC, it's not like, oh, I like Haas or, oh, I like Methods. It's it's what machine is best for the jobs. Mm -hmm. As you grow, you go, okay, hey, I want four more of those or I want six more of those. And when you do, there's this problem right now where things aren't available. Um, you say, hey, I want a machine, and they come back and say, hey, talk to us in two and a half months. Talk to mm -hmm. us in three months. Yeah, I'd say right now, how many are in this building? Couldn't tell you. I know we just got 16 new ones. That oh, wow. Well, so you guys have probably, so you've got I, around 30, 40? No, 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 no. I'd say closer to 60 in this wow. building. Okay. Oh, wow. That's, um, that's pretty, that's a lot. That's impressive. Well, yeah. It's not what we, it's not what I bought or what's coming. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there, there's there's a huge problem right now when ordering things and getting them, and I'm and it's I just found out, kind of surprised. It's not just in manufacturing. I tried to buy my wife some kitchen appliances. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys are aware of this. Don't go to an appliance store and actually expect to leave with your appliances. <laughs> um, it's not going to happen. Yeah, I think there's I, a chip shortage going on right now told me it was a wiring harness shortage. Okay. And all I tried to buy was a, a, a decent kitchen package. And they said, we can supply you with one of those five items. Um, the rest are going to be on, on hold. It can take eight months to a year. Wow. And we're talking about a double oven, a double wall oven. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't believe how backlogged they are. So I'm glad to see that it's it's just not in manufacturing. I guess it's, it's affecting wall ovens too. Yeah, there's a lot of things that happened. I think that um, from the COVID situation and people not working and manufacturing things all the way to uh, recently when, uh, what was the damage that we had in Texas? Was it fires or um, the, tor was it tornadoes and stuff like that? All of that is affecting industry. Uh, on a wide scale. So there's a chip shortage in the world. Like you just said, there's a wiring shortage. There's tons of stuff <laughs> going on in the world right now. Everybody is still blaming COVID. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, now we get that. We get that excuse every day. Yeah. The, the thing that I'm really, really happy about is that we don't have a material shortage. You might not be able to snap your fingers today and get as many machines as you want today. But, it, you know, as a manufacturer, if we weren't getting in, you know, aluminum and steel, we wouldn't, we'd have to send people home. Yeah. So thank God that that has not been an issue whatsoever. So while we may be challenged with trying to decide how best to utilize uh, the, the capacity we have, and expanding capacity is always a challenge just because of delays uh, of machinery arriving. Uh, at least we have material to use on the machines that 
that are sitting on our floor running right now. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. You know what? Here's what here's what I'm gonna do. Uh, hopefully, you guys had a good time. Oh yeah. Enjoy. Yeah, and we can invite you guys to come back. Um, you know, I'm gonna come visit you all in Melbourne, huh? I didn't know time was up. Uh, we we already went through two hours. <laughs> We're so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, listen, we probably have to go. We probably have to go. Otherwise, I'll just keep burning through the internet here. I'm sure Lola is gonna. But actually, I I really did have I really did have a good time. I really did enjoy uh, meeting both of you guys and also hanging out here with Daniel. What what I'll do is invite you guys to come back on. I'll come out and visit you in Melbourne. If you guys um, want to, you can come out here sometime maybe, bring some of the stuff you make out here and do stuff with us. That's what I was going to actually say, sir. Um, mm-hmm. How about if you would like with some advanced warning because uh, you know, I never know what I'm going to be doing. Let's schedule something to where you can come down and I trust that you're not uh, some kind of industry scumbag who would steal my ideas or manufacturing <laughs> processes. So what, I'll, but, so what I'll do is you'll be able to see how something goes from raw steel, how we inspect the steel that comes in. We just don't trust certifications. And you can watch it go through process to a finished good all the way through Cerakote to packaging to out the door under one roof. Oh yeah, that sounds great. I would love to do that. Love to come check that out. Um, I won't. I won't steal any of your methods. I might take some. Um, you know, <laughs> some guns might be missing. <laughs> At the end of the day. No, I'm not going to do that either. I'm not going to do that either. Okay. And I'll just, just have you keep your hands. Wait, yeah. your hands clapping. I know you're going for one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so listen, we'll we'll do that. Here's what I'm gonna do. Uh, I'm gonna wrap it up here. Thanks to everyone for hanging out with us. Uh, I'm gonna go around here. I'm gonna get Daniel first of all to tell you guys how you can support him. Uh, follow his efforts here in this competition that's coming up. Maybe help uh, help him um, get there. Make sure everything uh, goes right. Daniel, if you if you need to, if there's something that you need to put out there in the world and share, just hit me up, man, and I'll share it on, on whatever stuff I have and and help you out with that as much as I can. Uh, tell the folks where they can find you, how they can communicate with you. Well, you can find me on all the interwebs, but, well, I am on Facebook. My private account is permanently banned, but Gun Doctor TV is still on Facebook. Um, you can find me, I'm Gun Doctor TV everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, YouTubes. I'll okay. be the hairy guy shooting guns poorly in the background. Mm-hmm. Yep, that'll yeah. be me. Yeah, uh, making uh, flamethrowers and stuff like that. Making so, uh, flamethrowers, risk flamethrowers. Yeah, doing dangerous stuff, dangerous <laughs> stuff. Yes, please, please go out there and support Gun Doctor TV. Uh, I'm going to ask that same question to um, the Live Free Armory guys as well. Where should the folks go to follow you guys on social media? And if they want to communicate with anyone down there, how can they do that? Yep, livefreearmory.com is the webpage. Uh, we have Instagram, we have a Facebook page uh, as well. Obviously, I found tonight that we have a Twitter account. <laughs> I forgot all about that. You're welcome. Uh, and, and, uh, you know, we, uh, you can eat at any at any time. You can ask any questions just by calling our shop, 407-891-1255. Uh, we can also uh, take emails at sales at livefreearmory.com. We have some customer uh, service specialists that will help you 
uh, walk through you, build up your gun if you have any questions. It's not just about buying from us. We're gun people. We are your people. We talk guns. We like guns. So just give us a holler. We can help you with anything, any questions. So... Okay, absolutely. And I would say the same thing thing to you guys. You know, if there's if you guys come out with something new or whatever, you want to help get the word out there, reach out to us. You're always welcome to come back on the show or just pop in for a little while to to, you know, we'll figure out a way to show that off or just let me know and I'll share stuff on social media or anything that I could do to help you guys out. Um you know, I'm especially a fan of manufacturers here in Florida, people who build and sell things, especially, you know, obviously in the firearms industry here. So anything I could do, I, uh, I'll i be happy to do it and help you guys out. Appreciate it. Maybe maybe this is the start of our own little uh, community network. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. We got lots of good folks to come through here like Daniel that we know. There's a, lot, a bunch of things that we could do. And that's that's why I've been doing this show. Uh, for a long time. Uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to uh, roll in the end here, but then we're going to come back and someone's going to hit us with the words of wisdom. Uh, Daniel, do you think we should give it up to these guys? Let them hit us with some words of wisdom? Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So so we're going to do that. So one of you, one of you guys <laughs> uh, need to get that ready here. Here's what I'm going to do. Thanks so much to everyone for joining us here. Big shout out to Bar Knowles. Um, you know, makers of performance steel case ammunition. We appreciate those guys uh, sponsoring the podcast here. I'm going to run in the end and be right back here in a sec. All right, guys, thanks for watching the show here. We really appreciate you all. Make sure you smash the subscribe button, ring the bell so you can be notified every time we go live. We're going to rip the audio out of this and put it up on iTunes and all the other places that you get your audio podcast from. Big thanks to Gun Doctor TV, as well as Live Free Armory. Um, okay, what what kind what words of wisdom do you guys have for us before we get out of here? My words of wisdom are smooth is fast, fast isn't fast. So work on your technique. Get the technique down, and speed will come. All right, awesome. There you go. That was good. Can't argue with that, right? <laughs> that was great. That was great. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you tomorrow. We're out of here. Peace.